it was intentional that today we're, we're looking at extraordinary leadership. And not to put a lot of pressure on any of the elders or the new elder, but extraordinary leadership. And let's look in the Bible what that means. As we've been looking through what it, ordinary people are this summer and how we serve an extraordinary God, we've gone through a lot of different people in the Bible, looking at how we are ordinary, but God is an extraordinary God calling us to do things serving Him. And so today, we're going to be looking at the story of Gideon. All right, So Gideon, in, in the book of Judges, Judges specifically 6 and 7, we're looking at, at who Gideon was and how he was an ordinary man, how he was from the, what he said, the least tribe of Israel. And his people were in oppression by the Midianites. They were crying out to the Lord for help. They were crying out, asking the Lord, please save us. Please save us. And so God uses this man, Gideon, in mighty ways. And we're going to see that today. So, um, not just because there's no children's church, but because it's a good introduction, a reminder of what happened in, in these chapters of Judges 6 and 7. We're going to watch a, about a four-minute video of a recap of what happens with Gideon. So uh, if we can play that, please. Here's the quick version. Israel turned away from God. God reminded them he was in charge. God said he would save Israel. He would use Gideon. God performed miracles for Gideon. Gideon gathered an army. God made it smaller much smaller. Soldiers had a dream. Gideon's army surprised their enemies. The Midianites ran away. God used Gideon to save Israel. And that's a part of God's story. Alright, so there shouldn't need to be any more pop quizzing because uh, you just should know it all. From Judges 6 and 7 right there. Uh, I thought that was a, a great little intro to Gideon to see kind of what we're getting into today. And really, today we're looking at extraordinary leadership. And, and it wasn't that Gideon was this extraordinary man. It was that he served an extraordinary God. So our main idea today is that extraordinary leadership comes from following our extraordinary God's leading. So we're going to talk about that a little bit more, but that's the, the key idea today. The main idea I want you to know is that if we are going to be leading in an extraordinary way, it's because we're following our extraordinary God's leading. So leaders start by following, right? Leaders start by following. They don't, they're not leading on their own. They're leading with the power of God and by His example. So we're going we're gonna to jump into this. So if you would turn to Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6. And what's interesting in this, in this passage, Judges 6 and 7, is that a few different times, we just kind of see this pattern. And this pattern is, the Lord is, just like in the, in the pattern of, of Judges, how the people are, are worshiping God, and then they stop worshiping God, and they turn to idols, and then they get in trouble by the enemies, and then they cried out to God, save us, and then God sends a, a judge send some, a leader to come lead and save them. And that's what's that happening in this story, in, in the story of Gideon. The people have turned away from God. They are worshiping idols. 
And their, their wake-up call from the Lord is these, this other army is coming in to, to do what they want, to, to oppress them, to take their crops, and etc. Alright, so in Judges 6, we're going to see uh, a key part here. So in, in verse 12 it says, When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you. Mighty warrior. Now think about this. He calls this, this young man, he sets him into leadership by saying, not you are the best ever. He says, the Lord is with you. Okay, That's a key part right there. The Lord is with you. And then he says, mighty warrior. He, he tells him what, who he will be. But he starts by saying, the Lord is with you. Let's read what, continuing on in verse 13. But keep that in mind, the Lord is with you. And so Gideon replied, pardon me, my Lord, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did, the, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us to the hands of Midian. Okay, where, where is God? If, if, he, if God is really with us, notice he doesn't say with me. He says, now if, if, God is not, is, if God is with us, then he wouldn't have done this to us. He wouldn't have abandoned us. I feel like we say that a lot too. God would never allow this to happen, right? If God is really good, if God is really here, if God is with us, if God is with me, then bad things aren't going to happen in my life. God didn't say that. In fact, so, so Gideon here is trying to understand why bad is happening and why God has supposedly abandoned them. But I think there, there is a piece of that. Of course, God will never leave us or forsake us, but God is, is intentionally letting the enemies do this to them. He wants them to stop worshiping other gods. Okay, God wants our complete worship. He wants our complete devotion, our affection. And I think that's what this whole story is about. Alright, and then verse 14, he says, the Lord turned him and said, go in the strength that you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But how can I save Israel? My clan is among the weakest in Manasseh. And I am the least in my family. So you, so you are telling me I'm the weakest of the weakest of the weakest and you want me. Remember, this series is called Ordinary People, Extraordinary God. God doesn't pick the strongest, the bravest, the best. He picks who He wants. Ordinary people that will do what He says. And God is saying again, I'm with you. I'm... I'm going to have you save Israel from the, this, these oppressing Midianites. But only with my strength and the way that I want you to do it. Alright, then going on uh, just to verse 16 here. It says, And the Lord answered, I will be with you, and I will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Again, I will be with you. He's saying don't worry about all the details. I am with you. The Lord God Almighty is 
with us. Hallelujah. The Lord is with us. The Lord could just be off somewhere else. I mean, we know, he's, we know Jesus is in the right hand of the Father. We, but we know that, that God, His presence is with us. It's kind of cool that He can be everywhere at the same time. He can be with each of us. He can, his Spirit dwells in the hearts of those who trust Him. And so the Lord is with us. And when we are, we're not sure, when we're afraid, when we, when we, when we receive a calling, we keep this in mind. God is telling Gideon, I'm with you. I'm with you. And to do whatever task I'm calling you to do, it starts with me being with you. And that's our first point today, is that when the Lord calls you to lead, He promises to be with you. Now, I think that's really important. I think that's, if, if God's calling us to lead and then says, good luck, you can, hopefully you'll, be, you'll succeed. That's no, that's no good. I mean, we're going to lead the way we think we should lead, but if it's just like, check in with the boss after six months or what, I don't know. Like, you know, we, we, sometimes we kind of want to lead on our own. Sometimes some of us, hey, let's, we don't, need, we don't need a boss. We don't need the people telling us what to do. But the Lord is no ordinary boss. He's no ordinary person that we think of in the leadership. The Lord is with us to guide us. He's there to encourage us. He's there to, to make sure that when we're afraid or upset, when we don't know how it's going to work, He's going to say, just keep going. Keep trusting Me. Now, and notice here, he didn't tell Gideon the details of how he, Gideon was going to be led by the Lord to save the people. He didn't give him the whole plan. And that's often the case with us. When God's calling us into leadership, when he's calling us to lead, he's not usually giving us all the details and all the plans of how it's going to happen. Now, there's a pattern of this story where a few different times... Gideon is being called to lead. And God is saying, I'm with you. I'm giving you, I'm giving you me. You'll do this because of me. And, but then Gideon, we saw in the video a few times, Gideon's afraid. Gideon's not sure. Are you really sending me? Do you really think I can do it? I mean, here in this passage we saw, he's saying, I'm the weakest of the weak. I can't do it. Find someone else. Pick the better guy. Right? And we see that a lot in the Bible too. Moses said that. Right? Moses said, I'm no good at speaking. Right? You, you must be talking, you must need somebody else to lead. Right? Uh, David was the, the, the youngest of his family. Well, Samuel thought, surely, surely it's going to be one of these older guys. Older sons of Jesse. God's going to choose who he wants to choose because of their heart, and because he can trust that they're going to obey him. But first he promises to be with us, and then let's look at the next part here. In uh, verses 17, I think it's not on the screen, but verses, in verse 17 it says this, um, So Gideon replied and said, If I've found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that's really you talking to me. Please do not go away from me until I come back and offer and set my offering before you. 
So the Lord said, I will wait till you return. And, and Gideon went out, prepared a young goat, and from an ephod of flour he made the bread without yeast, putting the meat in a basket and the broth in his pot. He brought them out and offered them to, to the Lord under an oak. Verse 20, the angel of the Lord said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread and place it on a rock and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. And the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread. And with the tip of his staff was in his hand. Fire flared from the rock and consuming the meat and the bread. And the angel of the Lord disappeared. And verse 23, when Gideon realized it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Alas, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace, do not be afraid. You are not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord, and there he called, called it to the Lord. The Lord is, is peace. Uh, so let's pause there. So, so he's, asking, he's asking the Lord to do things. He's asking the Lord, hey, please, please help me here. Please show me. Please give me a sign. Then later he showed, showed in the video that he says, okay, if it's, really you, if it's really you asking me to do this, then make the fleece dry when the ground is wet. Oh, okay, good. Oh, you did that. Okay, well, let's try the opposite way and see if you do that. Okay, you did that? Okay. So it's just all these ways that Gideon is fearful. Gideon is unsure. Gideon has fears. And, and we see over and over again that, that Jesus is our God who promises to be with us. But in this case, the Lord says, the Lord is, is calming his fears. And that's our second point, is that the Lord graciously calms your fears. He's graciously, in this story, he's graciously calming Gideon's fears. He's doing everything that Gideon's ask of him. In fact, then later on we're going to see that, that Gideon, he goes, he's, when he's finally ready to go out into battle, he's still afraid. And at this point, he has just, a, just the 300 men. And so in the next chapter, just, he's, it's, what's really cool is that, that God knows that Gideon is afraid, knows that Gideon needs to be calmed down, and he says, he says, hey, Gideon, go down to the camp and listen to what they're talking about at the, in the enemy camp. Listen to what they're saying, and then you're going to be encouraged to obey me. So God, is, God calms our fears. You know, when there's kids in my house, maybe it's different in your house or before, and they're scared of the dark, or they're scared of something, oftentimes... If I had to say, hey, stop being afraid of the dark, about 99% of the time that does not work. They're still going to be afraid if I'm just saying, hey, come on, you don't need to be afraid. But if I go in there, or if their mom goes in there, and just spend some time with them and just calms their fears, see, there's nothing to be afraid of. Spending that time calming their fears, graciously maybe acknowledging 
that they are afraid. That's, very, that's a very different result than just, hey, there's no reason to be afraid. Come on, don't be silly. And I think God does that with us. Actually, I know God does that with us. He's gracious with us. When we are afraid, especially when he calls us into leadership, he's calling us to lead, here we see that Gideon is afraid, and God graciously calms his fears. Now, in Judges 7, Gideon has then gone, start, has, he has called an army to come. He's called this army to come. The people come out because they're ready. They are so sick of their crops being destroyed. They're so sick of the, the, being under oppression by the Midianites, Midianites. So they come, thousands of them. And in chapter 7, verse 2, the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. Now, I, I wonder when Gideon heard this, like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So I have this many men, and they have this many men. How, how does that make sense? The strength is in numbers. Right? And we, the way we win a battle is through having more people than them. But God says, you have too many men. And he said, I cannot deliver Midian into, into their hands, or Israel would boast against me. And my own strength has saved me. So God doesn't want just to, to stop the oppression. He could have done that any time. What he wants is the people to see that he is the one that saves. That he is the only one that saves. Not Gideon not Samson, not any of the other judges. It's not that they have the power. It's that God has the power. And God is the one that saves. So he, so he told Gideon, announced to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave. And so 22,000 men left, while 10,000 remained. So this, the first the first thing was, if you're afraid, you can go. If you're afraid, you can go. Interesting, God is calming Gideon's fears, and I think at the same time, making him more, having, giving him more anxiety. Because, okay, you're calming my fears that I'm supposed to lead, that, I, that you're calling me, that you're going to do this, but now my, the strength, the, the numbers that we have, the 32,000 are just now down to the 10,000? <sighs> like okay, so so Gideon here, he's he obeys. It doesn't say he questions, but he obeys. And that's our, our third point today is that when the Lord calls you to lead, he expects your obedience. He expects you to obey. If God's calling you to lead, he's not asking you to question him. He's not asking you to... He's, if, if you're asking him, God, give me the whole plan. How, if, if Gideon's saying here, okay, God, 32,000 minus 22,000 equals 10,000. To me, that doesn't make sense. But hey, can you just tell me a little bit about how this is going to work? He doesn't do that. He obeys. He says, if you're afraid, you can go. I wonder if he thought when... I, I wonder if he thought... 
Okay, if you're afraid, you can go. If there was just going to be like two or three people left. Like, <laughs> like if you're afraid of this really big army, this really bad guys, uh, you can go. Oh, okay. Oh, I, never mind, actually. <laughs> Come back. We need some people. No. He, so I think Gideon, I, if I was Gideon, I would probably think, okay, at least we got 10,000. Okay, good. We got 10,000. That's still something. We can work with 10,000. Okay. But then, again, God says, there are still too many men. <laughs> no, God, please. <laughs> and so God says, take them down to the, to the water and tell them, and I will there tell you who stays and who goes. So Gideon, verse 5, he took them down to the water and there the Lord told him, separate those who lap water with their tongues as a dog, as those who kneel down to drink. But there was a lot more that did it one way. And so I, even I'm thinking about Gideon, I'm thinking like, he's probably like, okay, hopefully God's telling me, get rid of those 300 guys. Those, those 300 guys, those are the guys that God doesn't want. So we can still work with 9,700-ish, right? We can still work with, with that many. It's still almost 10,000. But God says the opposite. He says, keep the 300. And Gideon, and he has to just be mind-blown at this point. It doesn't say this, but... I mean, can you imagine? You're supposed to lead? You're supposed to lead with just a few hundred people against thousands and thousands. And not just that, but you had thousands and thousands to lead with. Do you ever feel like that? Now, I imagine you're not against the Midianites. They're gone, actually, so you're not against the Midianites. I imagine you're not against that kind of odds. But God expects us to obey Him. And He understands when we're afraid, and He understands that we don't, that we don't understand the plan but he expects our obedience. And Gideon does this. So now he has just 300 men. And 300 men definitely is not going to be enough. There's no possible way that Gideon and his 300 men can possibly defeat this huge army. That is, without God. With man, it's impossible, Jesus says. With man, it's impossible. Sometimes we, we kind of forget that God does the impossible, don't we? With man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And so, He wants, God wants us to trust Him. He wants us to obey Him. He wants us to follow Him as He leads. But there's something in this story that I think it's easy to miss because then we see how, how Gideon and his, his army, they went and defeated this, this huge army. This is like the, I mean, we have David and Goliath is probably like the, the most lopsided battle ever. But I think this one goes right up there. And in fact, I mean, looking at the numbers, it seems even, even better. I mean, even more of an underdog story. 300. The 300. But what we kind of forget sometimes is why? Why was God calling Gideon to lead? Why was he 
doing all this? Well, let's flip back to, to chapter 6. In chapter 6, in chapter 6, it's giving a description of what's happening. And it says in, in verse 7 that the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, and, they, and God sent them a prophet. And the prophet said, the unnamed prophet says, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says I brought you out of Egypt, out of slavery. I rescued you from the hands of the Egyptians, and I delivered you from all your oppressors. I drove them out before you and, I, and gave you their land. Okay? Because this guy likes to remind us of our history sometimes. He's reminding the, reminding the people, okay, you're, you're upset for good reason. First of all, so he reminds, hey, I'm the one that saved you. And then, he, and then God says, in chapter 6, verse 10, he said, And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live. I am the Lord. I am to be feared. I am to be worshipped alone. Do not worship other gods. But you have not listened to me. So what does God want? He wants our worship. He wants the people to not choose between God and idols. Choose between our God and another God. Our fourth point today is that God expects your complete worship. That means He he doesn't want you to be choosing who you worship. He wants you to worship Him completely. He doesn't want to chase you down and say, hey, have you forgotten about me? Have you? Usually He won't. Usually God's not going to go after you and say, hey, I want your worship. I want your affection. This morning we, we sang songs about being worthy of praise. How God is great and He is worthy of all praise. And, and that, is, that is very true. God is worthy of all praise. But God doesn't want to compete with your praise. He doesn't want to compete with your affection. He doesn't. I mean, just in, like in any marriage, there should not ever be a hint of comp- being competitive for someone's affection. Your wife should not be thinking, should not be a little bit flirting with other people, should not be going just sometimes on dates with other people. No! Your, your wife should be completely with you. And that's how God, many times in the Old Testament, God equated what the Israelites were doing, how they were worshiping multiple gods, or how they were just not completely worshiping God. They would just worship Him some and this other God some. God equated that often to adultery. And that's just, when we hear that, when we think about that, it seems like, what, what's the big deal? It's, it's not adultery, God, come on. But God wants our complete worship. He doesn't want us to be, be worshiping other things. He did, I mean, yeah, we can say, oh, we, we don't worship other idols. We don't worship other gods. That's, that's crazy. 
But where's our affection going? Where, do, where are we putting our worth, our value? Are we putting it in the name of Jesus? Are we saying, all glory to His name? Are we saying that with our hearts? Are we worshiping God alone? And that's what He wants. He wants us to worship Him alone. And what He did with Gideon is, first of all, He told Gideon, He told the people, you haven't worshipped Me alone. I told you not to worship other gods, and you're worshiping other gods. Not okay. And then when He calls Gideon, He promises to be with him. And He graciously calms his fears. And he's expecting obedience. I mean, the first thing that, he, that God did is he, after, after Gideon set up this, this altar, we read that in, in chapter 6, Gideon sets up this altar, then right after that he says, now go to your father's house and tear down the other altars. If you want to worship me, then worship me alone. I don't want to be worshipped a little bit here and a little bit there. I want your complete affection, your complete worship. And Gideon obeys. And what I love it in, in chapter 7, verse 14, when Gideon found out that the Amorites were already worried about Gideon's army of 300 coming to defeat them, that could only be God. That's the only, that's the only way that God is showing him. And so in, in chapter 7, after he had gone down and listened to what, what the Amorites were saying. And, and the friend responded, how can this be nothing other, this Midianite friend, how can this be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, the Israelite who God has given the Midianites and the whole camp in their hands? And when Gideon heard this dream and its interpretation, he bowed down and he worshipped. He bowed down and worshipped the Lord. And then, after he worshipped, after he's given his complete worship to the Lord, then is when he went. And God gave them the victory over the Amorites. When he worshipped the Lord. So uh, That's for us too. And when God is calling us into leadership, or he's not calling us into leadership, God wants our complete worship. So extraordinary leadership comes from following our extraordinary God's leading. But remember, He wants our whole affection, our whole heart. It's hard to lead when we're not completely worshiping the Lord. You know, all elders here at East Bend, whoever's going to be the new elder, we have two really good options that God has laid before us. And, and I, want, I want to encourage you as, as people of prayer that we pray for our leaders. And especially our elders, the people that are in leadership here, that our missional leadership team, please pray for me. Please pray for, for the leadership here. Because God wants our complete worship. He wants our complete affection. If we're just leading out of, what, out of how we think we should lead, that's only going to get us so far. It's, and it's probably not even going to get us to what God wants us to do. So please, I beg you, 
I ask you, keep the elders, keep the MLT, keep me. Keep us in your prayers as, as we lead and we seek the best for this congregation. God wants our complete worship, not just for leaders, but for all of us. So God leads. He promises to be with us. He graciously calms our fears. He requires our obedience. He expects our obedience and He requires our complete worship. So let's, as we think about those things, I pray that this is not something that's that's a, that's a con- condemning. I pray this is, if we are not in wor- worshiping God completely, that we just take a moment and confess that. In fact, after in just a moment, I, w- I want you just to, to think about that. I have, a, I have a response question for you. But if, there's, if there is worship that's happening that's not fully to God, I ask that we all confess that. With the Lord, so we can have so we can have time where our complete worship is for Jesus. So our our challenge question, just for a moment, think about this and think about how we can be worshiping the Lord completely. Uh, is this how might the Lord be calling you to lead? How might the Lord be calling you to lead? How may the Lord be calling you to worship Him completely? So take just a moment and talk to the Lord about that. Lord, we thank You for Your grace. We thank You that You calm our fears and You're calling us to lead or that You graciously accept our fears. You accept our doubts and You take them and, and give them you change them so we can be confident, trusting you. Lord, I pray for each of us here, not, not just for the elders, but I pray for each of us to have a relationship with you, Jesus. That you would show us where our affections are. And Lord, if our affections aren't are in, in things other than you, Lord, we just pray that you would convict our hearts. And that we would be right with you. That we would not have things that compete with you, Lord. But we would worship you wholly and love you with all our hearts and soul and mind and strength. And Jesus, we pray that with that love, with that the love and grace that you've given to us, that we would then show others. But that first, we would embrace your heart. We would know you. Jesus, I just pray that. Pray this. That we would seek to, to do this, whatever you're calling us to do, worshiping you alone. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.